Hello and welcome to episode three of series three of Movie Madness with myself, Jonathan Watson, and my good friend, Tom Bat. There he is. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well today. Yeah? You good? I'm very you good. You good since last week? Um, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do you, about the same. Do you, do you think you're better than last week? or no, about the same. About the same. Yeah. You don't really change, do you? No. I like to stay sort of at a very stable level. Yeah. Keep I, the status quo. I've noticed that. Don't like to get too excited. You, you never get excited, do you? No. No. I've noticed that about you. I mean, don't, don't get too excited. You need to, I mean... You need to be more enthusiastic about it. This is this is don't, movie madness, right? I don't now. like laughing. You or don't smiling. Do you? you never smile. You never <laughs> You're smiling right now. See, it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot to make you smile, Tom. Come on. It doesn't actually, no. I'll tell you what would make you really smile. Just just picturing God. Steve Buscemi in Reservoir Dogs. Yes. It just puts a smile to everyone's yes. face. Steve Buscemi. Just his crazy attitude. His cra- those teeth. <laughs> Those crazy you teeth. Had to go in there, didn't you? <laughs> Steve Steve Buscemi's teeth are literally like a second actor. It's like he's like his teeth. It's like a character in itself, yeah. They really are. Yeah. And yours, it's like uh, Gary Busey. Because <laughs> I mean, the thing is, he's got enough money now that he could get his teeth fixed. No, but he doesn't. But he doesn't because it would change who he is. Yeah. I don't think people would like him as much then because you're like, like oh, you just. It's like when you see. Actors who you know when you first see them like uh, like thirty stone, and then then they lose loads of weight. Mm. And you see Zach Galifianakis recently. Yeah, he he doesn't look as funny now. I think I think for some reason when you take when you take someone who was a bit bigger before and Zach Galifianakis wasn't massive or anything, but he was bigger. Mm. When you take someone like that, he he works better. People find him more endearing like a bit more comical and stuff yeah and as soon as you lose the weight you then instantly are kind of taken a bit more seriously and then because you're taken more seriously you you lose that I think Jonah Hill had that problem as well yeah yeah because he lost a lot of weight but then I don't know he when he did the comedies yeah he was larger hmm and then when he lost a lot of weight, he started doing serious stuff. Yeah. So do you think that's Hollywood? Do you think they don't see you as a serious actor unless you... Uh, possibly. Then again, I, I think Jonah Hill's best stuff is stuff like Super Bad. anyway. The stuff that he's done with Seth Rogen and that lot. Yeah. So I don't actually think Jonah Hill's best stuff is, is I mean, from I serious thought, roles. I mean, even having said that, even in Moneyball... Yeah, he was big, he was big he was, in that. He was big in that. And um, actually, ironically... Wall Street as well. Actually, ironically, when he lost the weight, that was more for um, 21 Jump Street in that, wasn't it? Yeah. Which, yeah, so I don't know. But then he was still, you know, still funny in that. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I love 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street is awesome. I think the sequel as well was the actually good. The sequel is good as well. It's good. I, I wish that they did all those other films at the end when they showed like 23, yeah. 24, 24 and stuff like that. I wish they'd have done all those. 30 Jump Street. Yeah. <laughs> They should have done that. Like we were talking about Fast and the Furious, like yeah. on one of the others. They should do that. They should just do a new film every year. They should do it. Just another one comes yeah. out. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd like. And it. then they'd have to do the one where Seth Rogen steps in for Jonah Hill. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. just for them. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so t- this week's film. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Tarantino's yeah. Ends why debut. I was talking about Buscemi. Indeed. Great actor. Very Although actor. He, doesn't, he doesn't have a massive part in Reservoir Dogs. It's not big, but it's all about uh, quality. It's, it is. Yeah. 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 He has quite a significant role. I think that sums up Tarantino films, really, doesn't it? It's not about quantity, it's about quality. Oh, yeah. And he... Apart from Kill Bill. I, I, do you know what? I didn't mind Kill Bill. First one's really good. Mm. I thought the second one could have been mm. trimmed down and yeah. stuck on the end of the first one. Yeah, possibly. Because he did start babbling on a little bit. Yeah. I do like the dialogue at the end of Kill Bill 2, though. Yeah. I like the I think that when, have, when she actually meets. lots of stuff before that. Yeah. And maybe just taken that part yeah. and just stuck it on the first one. Yeah. Because there's some stuff in the first one as well that drags out a bit. Mm. Yeah, I'm... But I, I still, I mean, I still think Tarantino is probably one of the best directors of all time. He does his own thing. I, I, yeah, if you're I thinking love, in terms of writer-director, yeah. I think um, the he thing I like... down there with Guy Ritchie, I think. 
Yeah, where yeah. they can just they can write a great script and direct it perfectly. I think that's another thing that I like about um, that's similar between Guy Ritchie and Tarantino is the whole um, music dynamic as yeah. well in their films. The music's very good. Yeah. In those, just, and they have control over everything. Yeah, so they haven't just written script and directed it. They'll think about the editing and they'll think about the music. That's used. Yeah, I mean Tarantino very much. Yeah, Tarantino's films are built around the music. Yeah, he he thinks of a song and then he he writes a, a, a script around a song. Yeah, um, which I think is amazing. That's I, I think if I was to to be a, a filmmaker, that's what I'd do. I think I would choose mute songs that I really really like and then hope you can get the rights to them <laughs> hope I can get the rights to them obviously and also think, you know work around that music yeah because I think it's good to well, sometimes what I do when I'm writing scripts is I pick like a batch of songs that I think would fit that film yeah just to get my mind in the zone yeah in that sort of tone of film yeah so if you're writing say that's quite sort of upbeat and happy you have a lot of happy songs and that yeah if you write something that's quite grim and deep get some dramatic music playing yeah and then you start thinking oh yeah that'd be good for that scene yeah it works so I think music is always music is uh, we've had this conversation a a million times music's more important than film I know we you know I I know we're doing a thing about film and we've said this millions of times but music is more important than film because unless you're having a you know, a silent film back in the day starring Charlie Chaplin, you're not really... I mean, even the silent films as well, where they're not, there's no dialogue, they still got music in some of them as well. Yeah, you, but need, you audio. need You need music, I think, for film, but you don't necessarily need film for music. So you, you listen to a song on your iPod or whatever whatever you've got you don't need something because the music actually takes you to somewhere you might be either it might take you to somewhere in your life might remind you of a certain moment in your life or you might even be imagining something else in your mind like taking you somewhere else or whatever music has that ability to do that whereas film kind of film takes you out of your basically gives you two hours of getting away from your real life it gives you that I think you can do a film without music I think it would be very difficult there are certain scenes that you would want to use music in to improve the scene exactly I don't think you'd have to have music in every scene no 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 not at all but there are certain scenes that if you really want to get sank across motion mainly you really want to make people frightened or you really want to make people cry yeah then definitely music is going to help definitely 100% yeah 100% you watch a horror film with no music at all, and yeah, okay, it's going to be you know scary, but it's not going to be. But yeah, if you had something, it's not be that bad. Just sort of lurking. Can you imagine Jaws without the exactly. Yeah, that don't work. It ain't yeah. going to be the same film. Yeah, so, so I do I, think. I think music's certain, more certain important. Scenes benefit a lot from a piece of music or a song. I don't think the world would be worse off if you didn't have music videos, for example. But I think the world would be worse off if you had films without music. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the film. Yeah. But, um, But yeah, Quentin Tarantino is probably the best, I think, at that. I think he's the best in the world at picking just, just in terms, great yeah, music. In terms of picking uh, actual songs. And I like the fact that he's not picking songs that he thinks people will like. He's picking songs that he likes. I know he, he said in interviews. stuff that's sort of quite yeah. either unknown or hasn't been heard in a long time. Yeah. I think he even turned around himself and said that uh, he picks songs that he likes. He doesn't really give a shit. Like, if, if other people like his films and that's brilliant yeah, but he makes you'd, you'd never choose something that you think oh I think people really like this no you pick what you think is gonna you make accentuate the scene yeah like he said I, I, think, I think Tarantino said he makes a film like for himself oh, so yeah. that something that he then wants to watch and he's like oh yeah I really like this film I want to watch yeah, it yeah that's what you've got to do why would you make a film you can that ne- you're you can't not interested guess in? what people are gonna like I no. that's, that's always a bad move yeah because you're always gonna get it wrong yeah, you've just got to think this is what I'd like to see definitely 
and I'm going to do it and if other people want to see it as well great if not who cares I like it and it's such a I mean thing with Reservoir Dogs which is so good is it's so simple yeah it's probably one of the most it's it must have been one of the cheapest films to uh, to make a warehouse a diner yeah and then I think there's an apartment at one point yeah and that's it that's it and there's a little bit there's a bit outside with a chase yeah it's a heist film without a heist which is incredible it is because you're thinking I'm going to write a heist film and then you're thinking okay so what's this heist going to be about what are they going to do how are they going to do it whereas Tarantino thought well it's a heist film doesn't matter but you don't see the heist yeah I'm just going to do everything I don't need to worry about that yeah which is brilliant which means you the budget's dropped like massively yeah incredibly like I mean you think of like a Michael Mann film yeah, like Heat must have been insane, so closing like, off streets of LA. And yeah, I, I, how much did that cost? I watched uh, Bad Boys 2 recently, and that must have cost a lot of money to make, that film. Yeah. I mean, you see some of the... Uh, it's a great film, but it's a completely different film to Reservoir Dogs. I mean, you, like, the end of that film where they're driving through the village and they're just trashing all of those houses. Yeah. How much, and that bit on the bridge where they've got the, the cars being chucked off the... Uh, off that truck and you've got the speedboat flipping down the freeway and stuff you're like what the how much does this cost to make this film it's incredible the explosions and everything never take all that into account when you're watching it but then you think it through and those were not um, cheap vehicles that they were chucking off either so I mean you know it's ridiculous but then it's just the the beauty but it's just you don't need all that to make a great film you really don't. Yeah, it probably helps. But yeah, you don't need what, it. I don't think Reservoir Dogs would have been the same film if um, if they'd had all the money. No. I don't think it would have been no. the same because if you'd have then I showed think, the heist and stuff, I don't think it would have been as yeah, good. Yeah, I think the cheapness to it. It would have. Brings a flavour of realism. Yeah. It almost, when you're watching it, you feel like you're watching because it's a documentary. Cheap. Yeah, and because it's cheap... It actually hasn't cheapened the film. If they put more yeah. money into it, it would have cheapened the quality of the film. Yeah. So ironically, money isn't everything. No. I it think really the, the lack of money pushes you to try harder. Definitely. Yeah, I think so. You start being a bit more creative. Yeah. And he's definitely done that in this definitely, film. Definitely, yeah. But also, I mean, it's not just the great, you know, the, the, the script, um, the music, um, you know the the direction that Tarantino's yeah, made. It's the acting. Yeah. The the car. You know, you've got to have a good group of actors to make anything. Yeah. Believable. He's got a good blend of sort of well knowns as well as little well known. Yeah. Because at the time, I mean, something like Scary um, wasn't that well known back then. Tim Roth wouldn't have Tim been. Tim Roth wasn't that well known. Michael Madsen was pretty unknown. Yeah. Um, it was only really Harvey Keitel. Um, Chris Penn was known from. Footloose, yeah, but then I don't think he'd done much. Which again, Footloose to go from Footloose to Reservoir Dogs, I mean, it's completely yeah. different. So he only really had Harvey Keitel. I mean, did Tarantino was was he the one who cast the roles, or, or did he have someone else casting? I think he was probably involved. Yeah, because I, I wonder think what that he is involved somewhere. Yeah, in casting. I wonder what made him go. Chris Penn from Footloose I want him I think Chris Penn had done some other stuff in between yeah I don't know what though no but then Tarantino's always been like that like with Travolta yeah in Pulp Fiction he'll always pick yeah outside of the box yeah and then make you think oh shit yeah that was actually a good choice He, he basically is given Travolta a career yeah because by that point Travolta was sort of yeah starting to fade I mean and the ironic thing is obviously a lot of people think of Travolta in Saturday Night Fever and Grease mm. but there's also a lot of people that would think of Travolta who a different generation who'd be thinking Pulp Fiction Pulp Fiction and yeah. onwards because then after Pulp Fiction you had stuff like Face Off and yeah and then he started doing more more action thrillery kind yeah. of roles and he was seen as kind of did what DiCaprio did yeah, you got yourself away from that pretty boy leading man. Yeah, and start taking on some darker roles because mm. then he started playing villains and stuff. 
Yeah. Which is... He's good. And he was good as a villain. Yeah, very yeah. good. Very good. But, um, yeah, I mean, Harvey Keitel, I think, is brilliant in it. The, the, I think the best best act, best person I mean, in that film, though, is, is probably Michael Madsen. Yeah. I think Michael Madsen's my favourite character in that Michael film. Michael Madsen is just... He's just an terrifying. Arsehole. He's an absolute I feel like if arsehole. I ever met him, I would be a little bit scared. Because mm. he's just got that presence that you think don't really want to piss him off yeah I don't know what he's going to do I mean my favourite I think the the character with the best dialogues Buscemi yeah but the but the best role is is Madsen yeah just purely for, yeah it is terrifying it is just uh, I mean because he's, he's got that sort of cold hearted look about him almost like he would kill you mm. and he wouldn't even blink yeah, he wouldn't he, even give a shit about it. You'd literally have forgotten about it. It's yeah. like you. I mean, you kill somebody, you've got to live with that for you, for the rest you of your life. Be thinking about it for it, a while. It looks like he lives with it for for a second, and then it's yeah. over, and then that's it. He's forgotten like about his life. Like, oh shit! I killed someone the other day, didn't I? I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, it'd be like that. Yeah, just brush over it. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the most iconic scenes in cinema history when he's singing and ear cutting, ear cutting, which. And and the choice of song in that choice scene of song is brilliant. And Stuck in the middle what, with again, you. like with the heist, you don't actually see anything. No, because the camera pans away. Yeah. All you hear is screams and that. But that's that's and all yet you need. People always think to themselves, "Oh, the bit where he cuts the ear off—that was horrible." And you think you don't actually see anything. No, it's only afterwards you see. You just see he like, has no ear. No ear, but you don't actually see because I feel like. This day and age, because of the audiences, you've got a lot of teenage audiences that like gore and that. Yeah. Like saw films. They I feel used if they to made it him. now, you would actually see the blade slicing through his ear, blood spurting out everywhere. Yeah. And it wouldn't be as good. It wouldn't be as good. Again, it would cheapen it. Because it would probably look shit. Yeah. And yet what you imagine in your head is always going to be worse than what someone can put on the screen. Mm. So you, in your head you're thinking, oh God, I bet that's going to be really horrible. Yeah. But if you saw a rubber ear mm. being sliced off, you'd probably be pissing yourself laughing. Because yeah. you're thinking, that does not look like a real ear. No. That looks stupid. But I love the, even like in that scene, just the humour that comes across as well. Yeah. I mean, it's such a disturbing situation that you're in, but you think of him like, hello? Hello? Talk, talk hello. to the ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that whole thing, I mean, it's... It's that sort of dark humour. It like, is. Yeah. But you, I mean, I mean, it's, it's fucked up, but I still laughed. You, you do. You do Because like, you're not you, expecting it. Yeah, you're not. Because you're you thinking, do, yeah. oh my God, this is really shocking. Is that how long and then he makes that? a joke and you're like, shit, <laughs> yeah. where did that come from? Yeah, then you're like, it's one of those things where you laugh at it and then you're like, oh no, 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 that's not right. <laughs> no, that's right. Why did I laugh at that? <laughs> that's terrible. But it's the, also the twists and turns. Mm. You're thinking the whole time, like... So, so what actually happened? Who's yeah? Because you know that oh shit, there must have been someone yeah. who was working undercover. And you're thinking, well, it can't be Tim Roth. And you're thinking, yeah, it can't be him because he's, he's the one been who's shot. Fucking, yeah. yeah, but that means fuck all, doesn't it? When you then think about it afterwards, you, well, anyone can get fucking you, shot. Yeah. When you play it in your mind, you're thinking it could be him. Yeah, and it was. It was. He was the rat. Yeah. And it's ironic because last week we were talking about The Departed, which was yeah, which is about a rat. A similar thing, yeah. And then An undercover is, police officer. Yeah. Although in that film you knew, in this yeah. film you had no idea no. who the rat was. Actually, probably a spoiler alert. Then again, we, we did say last week... If you haven't Reservoir seen Reservoir Dogs, Dogs, watch it before you listen. What have you been doing? Yeah, why exactly. Are why are you listening yeah, to this? Yeah, why are you listening to a film? <laughs> exactly. Why well, you listen to a podcast about Reservoir Dogs yeah, yeah, when you, you haven't, haven't seen, seen Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, that is a bit stupid. Yeah. We shouldn't even bother saying the spoiler alerts anymore, should no, we? No. What's the point? We're just going to assume that the people listening are people that have actually seen the film. Yeah. And want to hear yeah. what we've got to say. Exactly. So, any interesting trivia? Oh, some really good interesting trivia for this one. So, remember the opening conversation in the cafe when they're talking about Madonna's Like a Virgin? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Madonna really liked the film, <laughs> but she refuted Tarantino's interpretation of her song, and she gave him a copy of her album, signed to Quentin. It's not about dick; it's about love. Madonna. <laughs> really? 
So even she thought, like, oh, see, I, I need always to say something. Here. I always thought it was as well, didn't what, you? About Dick. Yeah, that's what I always thought. <laughs> it's obvious, isn't it? It's just her. She's like, oh god, shit, the clock's on. But I can't say it's about Dick because then all my fans will be like, oh, Madonna, how could you? I think everyone would have thought that, wouldn't they? The, they probably do. Just yeah. can't say it, can she? Yeah. Uh, Tarantino was going to play Mr. Pink. Yeah. Uh, he made a point of letting all the actors know that they were auditioning for the part. And so auditioning when, for the part of of Mr. Pink. So oh, really? he wanted to play it, but he still auditioned a few people anyway. Right. And he told Steve Buscemi when he came in to read for it, he said, I want this part for myself. So if you're going to get it, you're going to have to kill this audition. And Buscemi did it. And he was like, shit, yeah, you play Mr. Pink. Really? That's amazing. That's, that's a, There's a lot of integrity there, isn't there, from um, Quentin Tarantino? To, to, yeah, to say, like, to go, you know what? I really want this, this yeah. but I'm going to give you the applause for this role. Yeah, because I think if it was anyone else, especially if it was an actor who was directing and they thought, yeah, I'm going to play this role. Yeah, you can't imagine be Ben like, Stiller turning around and going, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. No, he'd be like, I'm playing this role. Yeah, don't bother auditioning anyone else. Yeah. I'm taking this role. Yeah, when Ben when Ben Stiller did Tropic Thunder, I doubt he was thinking, "Oh no, no I'll let someone else okay. take that role." He was having the fucking lead, yeah. weren't he, in that film? But Tarantino was like, "You know what? I'd like to play this role, but if anyone else can do it in a way that I think is better, fair enough, I'll give it to them." And Buscemi was like, "Fuck yeah, I'll do it better than you. You're a shit actor. <laughs> You're a fucking director." <laughs> uh, Tim Roth refused to read for the film. Really? So he didn't actually want to audition. He was like, I'll do the film, but I'm not auditioning. But he did insist that he go out drinking with Tarantino and Harvey Keitel. And then after they were drunk, he was like, yeah, I'll read for you now. And that's <laughs> when they gave him the role. When he was pissed? When he was pissed. <laughs> what the fuck? How um, could someone like Tim Roth, how could he have the... It's the audacity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can understand if Harvey Keitel was the ones giving him I that. I think Tim Roth is... Um, I think he's a traditional um, Shakespearean like Shakespearean actor. I think he'd done a lot of plays and stuff. Right. So I think he was quite a serious actor. Right. So he probably thought, yes, I'll do your film, but I'm not auditioning. <laughs> uh, originally, Tarantino was going to make the film with a bunch of friends with 30 grand huh. and just a camera, 16 millimeter camera. Yeah along with producing partner Lawrence Bender, who was going to play Nice Guy Eddie. Right. But then he received an answer phone message from Harvey Keitel, uh, asking if he could not only be in the film, but help produce it. Uh, Keitel had gotten involved because of the wife of Bender's acting class teacher. She'd managed to get a copy of the script to him. And he raised the budget to $1.5 because of his involvement. Fucking hell. Yeah, that'd be great. So you've written a script and you think, yeah, I'll get 30 grand together and I'll make it with just some friends. And then Harvey Keitel calls you up and says, I want to be in it and I'm going to get you $1.5 million to make it. That'd be You'd incredible. be like, the fuck? It's like winning the lottery. And that was, Tarantino hadn't done anything before Reservoir Dogs, had he? Well, I think not anything nothing, feature. Nothing that had been, he'd done like a couple of short films, I think. Mm. But nothing that had been released. No. That was like going to be his I mean, first proper film. Be, uh, like, literally, like, w- on Cloud Nine, wouldn't <laughs> You'd you? You'd be like, is this really Harvey Keitel? Yeah. You wouldn't believe it. It's incredible. It's a piss take as well. Well, yeah. It's like, why hasn't Clint Eastwood called me up yet? I know. The amount of times I've sent him scripts. <laughs> have, you, have you actually? <laughs> <laughs> you should. Send, send Clint a script. <laughs> What the I, fuck uh, is this piece of shit? Don't know what I'm looking at here. <laughs> Hi, I got your toilet paper. It was very good. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that on proper paper. I printed it off on... on, on Laminated that. <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck are you wiping your ass with this? Uh, another interesting fact, the title, because obviously you're thinking, why is it called Reservoir Dogs? Mm. Like They never mention it, they never call themselves Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Apparently, when he worked at a place called Video Archives mm. in LA, Tarantino would recommend little-known titles to customers. 
and there was a film that you suggested called Au Revoir Les Enfants, ah. which was an 80s film. And apparently he recommended this to someone. And they turned around and said, I don't want to see no Reservoir Dogs. And he remembered that and he thought, oh, call it that. <laughs> so whoever that guy is, he wants a bit of pay for that, really, shouldn't he? Well, not really. <laughs> I don't think you can, can you, in that situation, but... No, in America, probably will. I'm going to sue your ass. Probably going to sue you. Yeah. Uh, you should say you're that guy. I should, yeah, that was me. I'm now 45. In the late 80s, as soon as I was born, Yeah, I went to LA. Yeah. And went to <laughs> went, LA to rent a... Why are no dogs? Went to rent a video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was your trivia. That was my trivia. It was very good. Very yeah. interesting. I didn't know any of that stuff. So I'm now so you more informed. If, if Kaito if Kaito hadn't got involved, it, it probably wouldn't know about the film. You wouldn't not with thirty grand. I don't thirty think grand with his friends probably would have just because did was Reservoir Dogs away. was that did that go into the cinemas? Yeah, it did. Yeah, but it went to Cannes first. I think did it. Yeah, played at Cannes out of competition. I think. Right? Yeah, got a bit of um, rep. From what I remember. When it was released in America, it didn't really have much of an impact. Mm. And it kind of bombed over there. It wasn't until it came over here that it actually made a lot of money. Yeah. It became a bit of a cult classic. I mean, it, it still was a cult classic. I wouldn't say it's... Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, all of Tarantino's stuff's kind of cult. Yeah, because it's, from, it's very niche. I think it's some of his newer stuff, like... And Glorious Bastards. Glorious Bastards onwards, like Django and Chain. Yeah, they're more mainstream. But I think the only reason they're mainstream, I don't think Quentin Tarantino sold out. I think. I think it's just because of his name. Yeah, his name is is selling. No fault of his own. Yeah, yeah, he's built up a big fan base. Yeah. And it's probably because that fan base that was cult has got so big Mm. that that is now mainstream. Do you think Reservoir Dogs is his best film? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Only because of, I think it it showcases his talents, yeah, more than the others. I Mainly think, because he's working with a lower budget, yeah, a better script. I do enjoy his other films. I just think that there's more to his other films, yeah. In terms of maybe the cast, the budgets, yeah. He's got a lot more to back. work with. This is stripped back. This is Tarantino working with nothing. Yeah. Well, not nothing. But, well, 1.5 million. 1.5 million, thanks, Harvey. <laughs> yeah. But I bet he was happy, Harvey, afterwards. Yeah. Success the film's had. Yeah. And it's obviously for him, as well as an actor, it's probably one of his best known roles that he's ever done himself. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. So it was a good decision all around. I mean, even at that point, I think Harvey Keitel's star was maybe falling a little bit. Mm. I don't think he'd done anything big for a while. No. I mean, he'd done... When did he do Bad Lieutenant? Bad Lieutenant was, I think, 80. Actually, might have been 90. Might have been 91, 92. Mm. I think this was 90. Oh, no, this was 92. I think Bad Lieutenant might have been 90. 90. Yeah, so that probably would have been the last... And Bad Lieutenant wasn't even that... A bigger film. No, because that would have been, yeah, again, cold. slipped under the radar. Yeah. Um, and obviously he would have been best known he did. probably for Taxi Driver. Yeah. Thelma and Louise he did in 1990, I think. Yeah. But and again, that was a smaller roles. Role, yeah. So, yeah, good, good choice all around. And then obviously, well... I think because of that, Tarantino probably actually owes success of his career then to Harvey Keitel. Because if probably, he hadn't yeah. have got that, Reservoir Dogs then wouldn't have been would have as big. Been, no. And would he have really then been able to to go on and make Pulp Fiction and yeah. Jackie Brown? And I think it opened up a lot of doors, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's only because of the success of the film. Yeah. So yeah, Harvey Keitel. You deserve a lot more credit. Well done, Harvey, mate. Well done. Well done, Harvey. Let's give Harvey a clap. 
Without Harvey, this podcast would not be happening right now. Actually, a lot of people were going, fuck you, Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to listen to this fucking shit now. Well done, Harvey. Yeah, well done. Um, do you want to do it? Do you think it's time? Let's do it. Let's do it. It's time now for the Equal Sequel Wars. So, Equal Sequel equal Wars sequel time. Wars. Uh, anyone who hasn't listened to our podcast before, where have you been? You know? Where have you been? Go back, listen to them all. Listen to all. Then come back to this, this is, one. This is like episode three of series three now. Yeah. You've missed out. I mean, there's been a so Christmas special 13, as well. We've done 15. We've done 15. Yeah, Christmas special. Um, so, yeah, where have you been? But if you haven't listened to it, we'll be nice enough now to let you know what it's all about. Tom, do you want to tell them? Yes, Equal Sequel Wars. We're going to come up with a sequel to this week's film, which is Reservoir Dogs. However, our sequels have to include four elements picked at random. Mm-hmm. That is an event, a location, an object, and a profession. Yep. So, Mr. Jonathan Watson, if you'd like to pick an event at I random. Will. Indeed. Let me just ruffle these. Okay, the event is a wedding. Okay. okay. Interesting. Where's my toss? <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is the location. And the location is a tropical island. Okay, that yeah. actually works. Okay, yeah. Uh, next one is an object. The object is a phone. And the final element is profession. And profession is a window cleaner. Window cleaner again. We've had window cleaner before. I think we've had phone before as well. Have we? Okay, so phone, wedding, tropical island, and window cleaner. Sequel to Reservoir Dogs. Tom, do you want to go? I'll go first, yeah. Okay, so, end of Reservoir Dogs, Mr. Pink survives, supposedly. Well, you see him run outside. The thing is, you hear gunshots, though. So, So, does he? He does. He does. Shoot out with the police. Right. Manages to get himself into a car. Right. Drives off. Bit of a chase. Yeah. Ends up losing the cops. Right. Heads for an airport. Yeah. So he's in the airport. He just grabs any ticket he can get, any plane flight with a seat available. Yeah. As soon as possible. Yeah. Which happens to be to a tropical island. Yeah. So he thinks, yeah, that would do. Just get me on that plane. Yeah. Gets his ticket. Gets on the plane and he arrives in the tropical island. He thinks this is it. Done. Yeah. Free. Happy now. I can live with the money that I've taken. Yeah. Can have a nice, relaxed life. Yeah. And he meets a woman. Right. On the tropical island. Okay. Played by. Played by Angelina Jolie. (laughs) Right. Steve Buscemi and Angelina Jolie. Okay. And. They fall in love. They spend some time there together. Seriously? <laughs> She's blind. <laughs> okay. And he asks her to marry him. Do you know what this is like? It's like a Kevin James sitcom. It's feeling like it, yeah. So Whereas you look at Kevin James and married to a sexy woman every time. <laughs> it's like, like, pull up. It's like, this is bullshit. Really? Kevin James? Come on. That's a joke in itself. Yeah. Okay, so Steve Buscemi and Angelina Jolie fall in love. Fall in love. And he asked her to marry him. Right. She says yes. And they're, they're going to plan a wedding on this tropical island. Yeah. And uh, as a wedding present, mm. so the, the day of the wedding comes, yeah. and they get married, mm. and all the guests are invited. And as a wedding present, uh, a guy comes up to Buscemi, gives him a phone, and he says, this is for you. Right. And he takes the phone and he realises that it's connected. And he thinks, all right, that's unknown number. And answers it. And he says, hello. And he hears this gravelly voice down the line. And he says, I know where you are. And we're coming for you. He's like, who is this? It's like, it's Mr. White. He's like, what the fuck, you were dead? He's like, yeah, that's what you thought. <laughs> and it turns out that all the other crew are still alive. All of them? All of them. Right. So obviously, uh, after they were all shot, yeah. paramedics arrived. 
Right. Got to them quick enough. But all ended up in hospital. Right. But escaped the hospital. Right, okay. And so now they're looking for the money that right. Mr. Pink ran off with. Okay. And they've tracked him down to this tropical island. Right. Because they've... How did they manage to track him? They heard about the wedding on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody woman. She had to post it all over Facebook. Yeah. Oh, we're having our wedding on this day at this place. <laughs> Can't we? But even even if you even if they were posting it on Facebook, yeah. like would I mean, Reservoir our dogs was back in what ninety ninety two. Yeah, well, so they've all got Facebook, times. But, but, but so they've face, all got Facebook accounts now. Yeah, but he he would have run off with the money in ninety two. Yeah, this is years so, later. So how would they have? <laughs> so they've they've waited twenty years. Yeah. They've been waiting for Facebook to come around. 25 years. They could use to track him down. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So they've tracked him down. So this is 25 years later then? 25 years later. Right. And he thinks, oh, shit. And Steve Buscemi's still with Angelina Jolie? Yeah. Fucking hell. (laughs) Brad Pitt couldn't even last with Angelina Jolie. (laughs) So he's panicking now. He thinks, oh, we've got married, we're going to buy a house here, we're going to live, we're going to start having kids and that, but I'm going to have to leave because they're coming here. Yeah. So she says to him, look, we can leave if you want, but we don't have to because I'm (laughs) with the CIA. Oh, God. And we were actually looking for them. We've been looking for him for a while. I don't know why the CIA would be looking for him. The Wait. FBI would be better, because that's their job. But you've said CIA. So. <laughs> She's a CIA agent working in conjunction with the, with FBI. the FBI. Right, OK. Because as soon as they leave the country... So so is this why Angelina out. Jolie's with Steve Buscemi, then? Yes. Ah, right, yes. OK. This all a set up. OK. To lure them out of hiding. Right. So this whole time, so this whole time, Steve Buscemi's been... Which makes it more believable that she would marry him. <laughs> so he's basically now realised that the person that he loves, who... Has betrayed him, really. Has, but yeah, it's basically yeah. been with him. She's been him lying. Just because she's been... Yeah. yeah. But she does the whole, yeah, but at first it was just to get to you, and but now I realise I really love you. Yeah. It's like, no, I can't believe that. You've lied to me before, why aren't you lying now? Yeah. So he thinks, fuck it, I'm leaving. Yeah. So he flees, leaving her there. She's all heartbroken because she really did love him. She'd learned to grow, she'd grown to love his, his she'd grown accustomed to his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, she got to a point where that was... Is Kelsey Grammer in this film as well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is there a bit where they're in a... I've grown accustomed to his face. <laughs> Is there a bit in a... Like they're in a jazz bar or something? It's a musical. And Kelsey... <laughs> Kelsey Grammer's just singing... Yeah. Singing in a, in a she, jazz bar she's somewhere. sat there, drinking, listening to this song, crying. <laughs> so Biscemi escapes, and the other guys arrive at the tropical island. Yeah. And they find her, yeah. and she's all ready to call the FBI in, get them arrested. Yeah. But now she doesn't really care about that. She's heartbroken. She wants to be scammy to pay. Right. So she tells them where he's heading. Right. Because she saw his plane ticket. Okay. She knows where he was running away to. Where was he running away to? He was going back to the US. Right. Because he thinks, oh, they won't follow him back there because they're wanted there. Right, okay. So he'll go back to the US and they won't follow him. And they think, fuck it, we don't give a shit. We'll go down if we have to go down, but we want him dead. Okay. For running off with the money. So Buscemi's back in the US. A bit harsh, though, because Buscemi thought they were dead. So... He didn't check to find out, did he? Well, he just fucking ran off. (laughs) So Buscemi's decided to go undercover as a window cleaner. Okay. He's got a bit of a disguise, fake beard. Yeah. Uh, Grown his hair out really long. Yeah. And the other guys arrive back in the US. Yeah. 
and they track him down again. And he's surprised that they've come back to the US. And Angelina Jolie arrives as well. So she's with them now. So she's with them. It's just like an Ocean's she Eleven wants, situation now. Yeah, she wants him to know that she led them to him. Right. And they want the money. They say, look, we'll let you go. We want the money. Miss Game is like, oh, I spent all the money. He's like, well, we want the money. So wherever you need to get it from, mm. you get that money. Mm. So Scammy decides to work it off as a window cleaner. <laughs> How much money? How much money? Probably a few million. <laughs> he becomes their personal window cleaner. Yeah. Uh, and he just cleans their windows for the next few years. And they're happy with they're that. Happy with that. Yeah, they're happy with. Yeah, but they don't have any windows for him to clean. They they just they buy a fuck house. <laughs> they buy a house together. Yeah, so they're all living there like the they, Brady bunch. They buy they buy a skyscraper that's just all windows, <laughs> and they get to clean that non-stop. How much did it cost them to buy a skyscraper between them? Uh, it's not much. It was one of Donald Trump's. <laughs> what he's just giving them away now? Just, yeah, no one's staying in them, are they? It's fantastic. It's middle of New York. It's, it's a great deal. It's a great deal. I'll give it to you five dollars. <laughs> five dollars. Actually, when we were in Vegas recently, we were just across from we Trump were, Tower. We had a nice view of it. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't see anyone there. Well, no, because even the. I think when we took an Uber, the Uber driver said nobody stays there. No, because it's just not. It's a. It's an actual proper hotel that you can stay at. Yeah, but nobody does because apparently it's shit. Really? Yeah. I think it's really expensive and it's just not worth the money. <laughs> and it's also in the middle of... It's kind of like pushed yeah, it's away. away. Yeah, it's away from the strip. It's almost it? like Trump said, I want to build a hotel here yeah. on the strip. And they went, you can go over there. Yeah. And he's gone, or he's gone, I'm going to build a new strip. It's going to be better. It's going to be just my hotel. Yeah, my hotels. Trump strip. My strip. Yeah, Trump strip. <laughs> right, okay. Um, right, my turn... Actually, did you finish? I did finish, yeah. yeah you did finish, yeah. yeah. that's how it ends. Just yeah. him cleaning windows for the rest yeah. of his life. So just a big pan away shot. Just pan away. As he's just, just him, like, <laughs> just wiping windows down. Yeah. Looking pretty bored. Well, that's... That's, um... That's Reservoir Dogs 2. <laughs> that's Reservoir Dogs 2. Okay. Tarantino would be proud. So here's my Reservoir Dogs 2. So... So we start... It doesn't start... From the end point. Okay. So, like your film started... Him, so you're going to tangent off. Yeah. So, it actually starts with a, um, a guy on a phone. Um, and he's he's just talking about just nothing really important. You mm. just like the opening credits happening. There's just a guy on the phone, talking on the phone. Um, and just walking along. And there's a, a guy cleaning windows window cleaner just um, just up the top um, on you know second floor yeah um, cleaning the windows this guy's walking past on the phone um, and he's just doing normal stuff as well just cleaning the windows normally nothing no issue whatsoever that's right and then there's a church as the guy's walking still on his phone because the camera's following the guy on his phone he's still walking down the street there's a church and there's a, a bride and a groom coming out. Um, all the confetti's being thrown, families and stuff. Like, and the camera's watching them as well at the same time. Um, and then there's also a um, travel agents. Then on the other side of the the rows. Okay. Um, and on the travel agents, there's a, a picture of, of Barbados, yeah. a nice tropical island on on the window there. Yeah. And the cameras pan around. And then the camera keeps on going back to the window cleaner. Right. And then it's going back to the wedding. Yeah. Like the people outside the church. Then it keeps going back to the tropical island. Keeps going back to this guy on the phone. Juxtaposition. It's juxtaposition. Yeah. Absolutely. So it keep Yeah. Juxtaposing. Uh, and all of a sudden, you just... The travel agents, like... Explodes. Explodes. Yeah. Right? And you're like... What the- the fuck is going on here like that the guy on the phone like suddenly like like drops his phone on the floor he's like looking around like startled all the people in 
like outside the wedding and all like scream there's women screaming and stuff everything like that the window cleaner like falls off the ladder yeah. um, to Floyd don't know what's going on and stuff um, and then these guys run out of the travel agents um, around the back um, and they're all uh, masked up and everything like that and they get into the cars one of them shot okay okay so one of them shot in the car and then they take they take the things off and it's Tim Roth right he's shot okay um and he, you basically find out that this is going they've gone back in time and that was how it was a travel agents that they were actually robbing right okay so this is like before um so then that happens there's a big shoot up um by the cars Mr. Blue gets killed. Mr. Brown gets killed. Yeah. Right? Um, Tim Roth, Mr. Orange, he gets back to, to a warehouse. Yeah. Okay? With uh, Mr. White yeah. as well. Um, and then Mr. Blonde turns up a little while later with a cop. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Okay. And he cuts the cop's ear off. <laughs> right? Right? Wow. Didn't okay. see that coming. <laughs> okay. Right? Sings a song. Yeah. Says hello a couple of times <laughs> into the year for comic relief. Yeah. Mr. Pink turns up, Steve Buscemi, says some comical stuff, all right? Yeah. Anyway, this goes on for a while and stuff. Shit goes down. Um, nice guy Eddie turns up with his dad. All, all, all stuff happens. Um, anyway, shoot-up happens. Yeah. Everyone gets fucked up, okay? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Pink, he gets away with the money. Yeah. Or at least that's what you think. We actually find out, when you hear those gunshots at the end of Reservoir Dogs... That's not the cops shooting him. That's another crew. Oh, okay. Who shot him. Okay. Yeah. So I had to do that little quickly go through Reservoir Dogs because this is kind of like showing you. So it starts off halfway through yeah. and then it continues yeah, after. Yeah. yeah. So, so the crew um, that shoot them are all um, dressed up. One of them's dressed up in like some of them are dressed up in suits and stuff. There's mm-hmm. a woman in a wedding dress. Okay. And there's a guy dressed up as a window cleaner. So they were all... So they're all in on it. They were all the crew that, okay. that knew about... So they were all fake. They knew that that place was going down and that they those guys were robbing yeah. that joint. And they knew where they were going to go and take it okay. to that to that warehouse. So they've, they've shot and they've taken the loot. Right. What they don't realise is that two of the guys are still alive. Mr. White and Mr. Blonde. Yeah. They're still alive. So they managed to get to a hospital, sort themselves out, and managed to escape. Um, so they then go on the hunt for these guys, and they managed to track them down eventually. And when they get Is there... Is she still wearing a wedding dress? Well, no, not at this point. Okay. <laughs> Just quite be funny. Yeah. So, um, so they managed to track these guys down. Yeah. Okay. Um... And they find out that um, their boss um, was actually Mr. Orange. Okay. Okay, so Mr. Orange, um, he wasn't... He was basically lying to the police force. Right. Making out that he, you know, that he was a genuine... He was a bent cop, basically. Yeah. And he had his own crew of people out on the streets doing stuff for him. Right. uh, Which was this group of people... So he was then lying to the cops. Then he was lying, being undercover to this other crew. Yeah. But he was giving all of their intel to his group. Right. So you found, but obviously, Mr. Orange in the crossfire got got shot. Um, so, um, so anyway, they they track him down. Uh, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, just go in there, guns blazing and stuff. Everyone's dead, apart from Michael Madsen. Okay. Walks out with the loot. Um, and and he's laughing and stuff. Everything's funny and stuff like that. And then the cop that he cut the ear off from comes up from behind, knocks him over the head, cuts his both of his ears off, and then goes, "Who's laughing now, bitch?" Like into his ears, and just goes, "Hello," like that. And then just chucks him on the floor, and then walks off. And then that's how it that's how it ends. Okay. And that is uh, that's Reservoir Dogs too. So uh, good times. Nice little twist of the cop there. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you know, lots of twists and turns in these kinds of films. So I thought you know, yeah, play off the whole. And he cuts off both ears. 
and he cuts off both ears just to like you know two fingers up yeah. your bastard now it's 2-1 yeah can't hear you so uh, yeah it was good both of those it wasn't um, no, it was like terrible <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah that's so, uh, Tarantino if you're looking for a yeah, sequel that's um, you know where to find us I think maybe we could incorporate some of mine and some of yours together yeah and then it would be more respectable it would um, be more and then I think Tarantino might take us more seriously <laughs> then um, Quentin as Tom said if you are listening and you're interested in our expertise and clearly our, our absolute talent on the subject of sequel making even if we uh, say so ourselves say, well exactly you know yeah. self-proclaimed but all we're saying is we'll get you an Oscar yeah we'll get you another Oscar another Oscar actually yeah, yeah. we'll get you another Oscar another Oscar um, we were talking about it earlier music mm. in Tarantino films and stuff yeah um, what do you think's the best song in this film so there's two yeah there's Little Green Bag yeah or Stuck in the Middle with You yeah see I think it's a tough one to choose for me see even though I love the scene and it's really iconic with Stuck in the Middle with You I still think when you think of Reservoir Dogs you yeah. just it's just that bass line. Yeah. It's all about the intro. Though. It is. Yeah. I think we've. I, I think if we're going to play out to, it's ironically we're concluding with an the intro. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do that. Um, and then next week we will be back with. I believe the next one we've got lined up speed. is Speed. And, uh... Pop quiz, asshole. <laughs> what do you do? What, what do, do you, you do? do? See you later. See you next week.